Today I had to drop off a package at UPS and a woman behind me walked in and she was like, do I have to, she's like, do you guys require a mask? And the desk guy was, I mean, he had no shame and I, I smiled. He could see through my mask, but I smiled at him. Mm -hmm. He's like, I mean, if you have one, you can put it on. (laughs) I love that answer. (laughs) And I was like, that was perfect. Yeah. He's an absolute G. We love him. We stand. Hey, Boo fam. Welcome to Peking. This is Jess, your host, and hopefully one of your best friends at this point. We're in season two. I feel like I've earned it. I'm so happy you're back to see what we have in store for this season. It's going to get deeper. It's going to get weirder. You already know what it is, though. It's it's Peking. It's about low moments in life that are opportunities to grow. We try to do a little bit of self-help, but a lot of laughing along the way. We don't take ourselves too seriously, and we got more of that in store for you this season on Peking. Hi, Boo fam. Welcome back to Peking. I'm so excited because this episode is going to be a little bit different from how I've run things in the past. Usually, um, I would either introduce my guests and kind of have a segment before my guest comes on where I talk for a while. And honestly, we know I could talk forever, so I don't need to like keep trying to prove that to you. I think this time we're just going to get right into it with my guest. So she's already here. She's watching me do this intro, which is like weird and funny. Um, she's my cousin to make things simple. We're not first cousins, but I feel like everyone in Lebanon is first cousins. So we don't need to really clarify it much more than that. I've known her as long as I can remember. She has a podcast of her own. It's called What in the Actual Factual, and she can tell you more about that. We've always kind of been these kindred spirits who are like the performers in our family. And so it's really cool that we're kind of doing similar things now. And we started chatting recently about wanting to be on each other's podcasts and what we would talk about. And it clicked for me that this topic that I've really wanted to be covering for a long time would be perfect for her. I didn't know how to do it on my own. And I didn't know who would be the right guest. And then it just felt like things were falling into place when she and I started chatting about it. So before I tell you what that topic is, I will just let her come in and introduce herself. This is my cousin, Aleka Farha. Welcome to Peking, girl. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to see you in the flesh because I feel like so much of our interaction these days is in the DMs, but it's nice. It's so nice to see you in the flesh and just to have this time to talk and actually have a proper kiki. And like you said, not on the DMs. <laughs> not in the DMs. We need to kiki and we need the world to hear us. So we, yes. we're recording it too. <laughs> yes. Get excited, world. We're here. Before we tell people what we want to talk about and kind of jump to, into things, I thought I'd just give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. So very casual, like I I never want people to feel like it's a whole um, like professional introduction that they would give on a call or something. Just let us know kind of who you are, what are the things that you care about, the things that you spend your time on, and I'm sure you're going to crush this. I thought, I hope so. Cause even as you were saying, introduce yourself, I was like, Oh, what am I saying? I know. Um, well, first and foremost, you already did say we are cousins and no, we are not first cousins, but as you know, and I know in a Lebanese family, that does not matter because we have an astronomical amount of cousins. Um, Absolutely. but, um, 
Yeah. I also have my own podcast, which I revealed to Jess that I've actually never formally introduced myself on my podcast and I'm about three seasons in. (laughs) Um, She's, she's a veiled figure in the corner of her podcast. Well, in my defense, the first few episodes, I, well, when I first started the podcast and I talk about everything, I talk about news, the food, like things happening in our world, whatever. And that's why it's called what in the actual factual. Um, but one of the things I had hoped to do was an episode about Lebanon and everything that was happening over there throughout the past couple of years with the revolution, also known as the Saura. And I was trying to work with our cousins in Lebanon on the ground, as well as friends who live there. And I realized that I couldn't say my name because obviously my cousins, we all have the same surname and I didn't want to give their identities away in case I did get them on the pod because the Lebanese security officials were finding people on social media, finding out where they lived and went and harassed them. So the thought of that happening to one of our family members, I was like, I would never be able to forgive myself if, you know, something happened or somebody got hurt, you know, or harassed or whatever. So I just decided to keep a veil on it. But then as time progressed, I basically just forgot to introduce (laughs) myself. (laughs) So I just kind of went with it. And yes, sometimes I would remember, but I would remember after the fact when an episode would go live and obviously I'm not going to take it down and re-record. So yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you for that because I'm such a perfectionist with this that like I've re-recorded episodes a disgusting amount of times and I have to actively stop myself from re-recording now when something isn't perfect. So, um, good for you for just being like, like, they don't need to know. They don't need to know my name. I'm not re-recording. I was like, I'm fine with it. But, um, do you, did you ever, when you edit, do you go through and try to catch the ums? I used to. And then I stopped because I was like, I'm a human being. I say, um, and I say like, and people are going to get over it. But yeah. the first few episodes or first season, I was I was editing them out. And still, if there's like a really long one that's easy to crop out, I yeah. might still do that. But I'm not going to yeah. go through every single one anymore. I was the same way too. But also, especially when I had other people, because I also help people with presentations and speeches. Yes. So you always have to tell them to not only watch the ums and the yas and the hmms, but also their hands, you know, mm. like, so it's, it's kind of interesting though, when we're on zoom with people and you watch how their body still moves, even with the camera on them. Yeah. Um, but I would go through meticulously in the beginning and just listen for every little thing and get it out. But now I don't care. Yeah. Because I'm you listen to professional know. podcasts and you're like, they don't do shit to this. Like they record it and plop it in between their intro and their outro and that's it. So, right. And they have millions of listeners. Exactly. Unless they're like uber fancy and they have like a whole audio team and sound engineer, then I'm just like, get away from me. Like, like, we're out here doing this ourselves. Okay. We're doing the groundwork. We're doing this um, nameless yeah. Shameless, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> we digress. Um, and no, seriously, like your, your podcast actually helped me learn a ton about what was going on in Lebanon, because while I knew bits and pieces, and obviously my family had been talking about it, it is just really helpful to have someone 
break it down and make it really digestible and understandable. And I feel like you've done a great job with all the topics that you've covered in that way. And so highly recommend she's about to embark on her next season. So, um, go check it out, follow her on Instagram, all that good stuff. Hey, thank you. Um, so before we get into our topic, anything else you want to say by way of introduction stuff that you do with your days and things that you care about? I feel like you cook a lot. That's a cool I thing. Do. I'm an avid cook and it got even more avid during this pandemic. I love to cook. Um, I'm also very much an advocate and activist for the climate. I'm also a climate leader and mentor with the Climate Reality Project. So I'm really passionate mm. about that. I am a singer. I used to have a band pre-Panini as I like I to forgot call it. that. I forgot you had a band. <laughs> Yeah. And then, um, let's see. And then my day job, so to speak, I am a consultant and I have my own biz, which thankfully came together throughout this pandemic as well. Cause lots of people had to pivot and I pivoted headfirst after being forced to leave my job into what was my side hustle. And it has now blossomed into a full-time business. So mm-hmm. it's, that's been really, really cool. And yeah, I'm hope I'm slowly getting back out into the world. Like many, I do have one more question by way of introduction. Yeah. What is your sign? Oh, do you need all of it? Like Aerie, like I would love it like if, if you want all of it. All Please. right. Well, I'm just, I just know the three obviously, but I am an Aries son. Mm-hmm. Leo rising. <laughs> I love how you're like, yeah, obviously that tracks <laughs> <laughs> and a cancer moon. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I remember now that you're in Aries. Cause I remember you have an April birthday, right? Uh huh. Which yeah. a lot of people in our family do for some reason. So um, many, we April have a lot babies. of Aries. Yeah. So and many. then I'm a cancer sun and you're a cancer yes. moon. So love that for us. Leo rising makes so much sense. I'm just not even, I just don't even need to comment on that. You, you guys will just see as the episode continues. It's, <laughs> if you haven't, if you couldn't already tell that there was, some I Leo fully in this embraced chart. it ever since I learned it. I was like, Oh yeah, that's <laughs> okay. All right. Well, here we are. I think cool. it's great. Cause you can have a reason for it. You're like, yeah, I I'm, I'm a bit performative. I, I like some attention here and there. It's not my fault. It's my chart. It's like, not my fault. I love, like, I mean, it made sense. Even when I did theater, I was like, I am meant to be here. (laughs) Thousand percent. Being a goofball 24 seven. Well, also not even a goofball. I mean, I would be serious too, but yeah, yeah, Leo's can be dramatic. I feel like I can be dramatic and I love attention, but I don't have Leo in my chart. So at least that's what I'm saying. At least you have that. What's what's your rising in your moon? My I'm cancer sun, Libra moon and Sagittarius rising. It's honestly a perfect, it's uh, isn't perfect. it perfect? It's perfect. Also, cause I mean, I love Libras. So mm. it's just like, and cancers. So I was like, yeah, this all tracks. Yeah. I love it. I love Whenever it. I tell people that breakdown, they're like, they give me the same reaction. Like everyone makes a face that's like, oh my God, I have a perfect chart. <laughs> that is the most likable chart you've ever heard of. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's so good. It's so good. It just, it makes total sense. Well, I loved this intro for us and I'm going to take it into the topic. I mentioned this in my first episode of the season, Bufam, and told you guys that I really wanted to explore a topic around race and particularly for people like me and like Aleka, 
who are non-Black, non-Hispanic, pretty white passing, but our families come from the Middle East and um, that plays out differently for each of us. Like Aleka's name is a bit more like obviously um, ethnic, I guess, versus mine is more Americanized, but we both got, got the eyebrows. I have a little bit darker skin. So like, it's just an interesting thing that I've found myself um, thinking about more over the last couple of years and needing to navigate as I've gotten older. Um, I think the reason I've been thinking about it so much is just because there has been so much more discourse in the public around race when it comes to things like Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate and all of those super important conversations that I try to be really active in and, and also really listen and learn about those races and cultures. Um, but I feel like it puts me in a weird spot sometimes where I don't know, am I white or am I not? Like, I think that's the crux of the question. Yeah. And I don't think we're necessarily here to answer that question, but just to discuss like the different experiences that we've had that make that a really confusing question for us, because I'm sure that I have other people listening to this right now who relate in one way or another. Um, So that's a bit of an intro and I have a lot of like sub thoughts, but Aleka, what are your just like initial reactions to that topic? And I know we've talked about it a little offline, but I'd love to hear from you. I mean, I like the way you said where it's like, we don't even know how to totally compartmentalize it or categorize it. But what I do know that's something I've grappled with through the years where it's like, every time I would check that box on a form, yeah, I wouldn't feel fully in it. I'd check the box and be like, yeah, but this isn't specific to me because obviously, especially after 9-11, I was no longer in that box, even if I wanted to be, because mm-hmm. I automatically became other. And that was a huge, I mean, we talked about this, of course, but that was a huge turning point in my life because I was a teenager and I was in high school when 9-11 happened. And we go from this devastating day where we also united as a country and came together. And it was so incredible and sad, you know, but also this slight bit of bittersweet beauty through it of the way we came together. Cause I also was grappling with my own patriotism, even growing up because of our backgrounds, but also because my mom, it has an incredible head on her shoulders where she always raised us. I mean, my mom raised me since I was five. She's like, do not trust the police. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, this country is rampant with racism. Like she would never held back at all with us. So I knew that not everything is all roses and beautiful butterflies all the time. So I was also aware of that. It's like, was I proud to be born in this country? Yeah. But am I going to go wave a flag tomorrow? No, because there's still a lot of really shady things and awful things still happening to this day, right? So for this brief moment, we had this unifying thing. Our country was attacked. It was terrible. But then a you know, then a finger has to be pointed, right? Mm-hmm. You got to mm-hmm. point the blame. So in the days that followed, that was when my whole world changed because everybody started caring about the Middle East, obviously. Everyone started conf- confusing Islamic fanaticism 
with the mm -hmm. whole of the Middle East and everyone, anyone who's brown is a terrorist, anyone who's wearing a turban or is Sikh, they don't know the difference. So they think mm -hmm. they're a terrorist and anyone with a unique name or is named Muhammad, like God help them because, you know, they just automatically started pointing fingers because there has to be a label, right? Yeah. And when that happened, you know, I went from, I'm, I still remember, I told you this, I remember one of my good friends in high school, he was um, this black guy named Brandon, and he was a linebacker on the football team, like amazing, like amazing powerhouse of a guy. And I just remember him telling me, he was like, Hey, how does it feel to be at the top of the list? Thanks for the break. Mm. And I was <laughs> like, what? And he was so right. Cause I was like, holy crap. I'm at the top of the list. Whoa. Yeah. And it, like, it obviously didn't last for that long. And it doesn't have like, there will never, <laughs> you can never, I can never scratch the surface of what it's like for a black person in America to walk the streets every single day. I will never, ever scratch the surface of that, but yeah. I got a pinch. And that pinch was that day when Brandon said that to me. And then what followed every time I've gone into an airport since from the moments I had racist vitriol spewed at me from whether someone figuring out my name, or as I told you, a friend of mine at the time, her dad literally called me a sand N word to my face mm -hmm. and just kind of like relaxed. He was just observing me and he goes, Oh, so you're that. And he said it. Mm -mm. And I, I don't remember what happened after. I don't remember how I got to my car and I drove home. I don't remember any of that. I just remember him telling me and it knocked the wind out of me. And I got home. I told my parents and my dad, especially when I told him on the phone, he cried Yeah, because he was like, I'm so sorry this happened to you because it happened to him a lot when he immigrated from Lebanon to Canada. It's why he changed his name from his Arab first name to yep. a generic cookie cutter first name because yep. of trying to blend in, yep. you know? So it, once I was 15 on 9-11, it was either do I hide behind my mother's side and take her generic Anglo last name, or do I fully embrace my culture and stand, right. stand behind it and teach people what they're wrong about and show them like there's so much more kind of navigating that through the years but as the years have gone on and every time I would be presented with a form as you said like and you have to check that box you know and I remember you actually said that you um had an experience same deal filling out yeah. a form or on a test in elementary school right where you rightfully circled Asian yeah because you rationalized well, the Middle East is in Asia. I was so. literally in the second grade, like taking some standardized test that we all had to take. Didn't think twice. Well, maybe I did think twice about it. I don't really remember in the moment, but I, I just remember, yeah, very logically looking at this form and looking at the options and there's the standard, you know, white, black, um, Hispanic, like whatever, whatever the list was. And it was probably different at the time than even it is now. Mm -hmm. And I chose Asian because I had taken geography, second grade geography. I'm like, Lebanon's in Asia makes sense to me. And then our standardized tests come back like a month later or whatever. And my parents kind of brought that up to me and were like, why did you select this? And I explained and they laughed and it was a funny thing. But ever yeah. since then, it, 
I think about it every single time I fill out one of those forms. I've been applying for jobs lately. So I'm filling out a lot of forms that ask me yeah. for my race. And I every time feel uncomfortable with what to select. And I, I end up selecting white. Yeah. The forms themselves are uncomfortable. Yeah. I end up selecting white, but I'm like, this doesn't feel accurate because, and I think this is like the crux of a lot of it for me is that a white person, like a truly white person, like with roots in England that came over to America, something like that doesn't look at me and hear about my background and perceive me as white. A black person rightfully doesn't perceive me as black because I'm not. A Hispanic person doesn't perceive me as that because I'm not. You know, so it's it's not that I'm saying, I, I totally want to make sure it's loud and clear in this episode what you said that like, I will never understand the black experience in this country. I'll never understand any experience other than my own. But that is a uniquely difficult one because of, you know, the literal visual cue of skin color that is perceived in this country one way or the other. Um, but that being said, like, I, I don't, I've had experiences with white friends where it's become very clear to me that they don't see me as one of them. Um, and, and I was raised to think I was one of them. My parents wanted very badly to assimilate in this country and give us a very you know, white American life. And they did in a lot of ways. And that at the time was something that they really valued. And I understand why, because it was a way to succeed here. My dad, similarly to yours, changed his name um, to, to limit, to eliminate those barriers to success here, you know? So I, I know why they did that. And I have benefited from a lot of privilege in their success um, in this country. And part of that part of that success was deciding to assimilate and to be white. But I also know now as an adult that I'm actually not because that's not what, that's not what this country views me as whether I feel it or not. And I don't feel it to be quite honest, because I'm also very proud of my culture and like to celebrate it. And I feel connected to it. And, and so I, you know, I, I don't feel white, but I don't really know what I feel. I feel Lebanese, but, um, I don't, I don't have space to feel that. Exactly. It's like, I feel very much Arab, but I don't, again, like, where is that space to have that, you know, unless of course you live in those countries or surround yourself with the same people with the same background all the time, which I don't want to do because I love having a, my eclectic group of friends and everybody exactly. in my life. But at the same time, it's like, when are you going to feel those moments or that sense of belonging culturally unless you are around it because there's still like you know I think of when I was a kid yeah like the parallels when I explain you know how before 9-11 nobody knew where Lebanon was and then after 9-11 it's like what everybody knows the Middle East all of a sudden mm -hmm. and but I also you know loved it but I didn't talk about it all the time and then again, after 9-11, oh, I talked about it all the time. In and what I way? Knew, oh, I would just, I was proud. I was, yeah. I made the decision because I thought I'm not going to let someone harass me or bully me or my family. I'm going to be very firm and, and standing tall and not being afraid to talk about it, but also not doing it in like a forceful way, but sort of also like, and you do it too, which I love. This is why I feel we are also kindred spirits, not just mm -hmm. cousins, 
um, is that we use humor to get some points across here and there or allow people to learn. So I would use my own humor, like even with people like, for instance, eating hummus and be like, oh, you like hummus? They're like, oh my God, I love it. And I, I would just be <laughs> like, well, you're welcome. Right. <laughs> and they would be like, what do you mean you're welcome? I'm like, that's our food. Like, hmm you're welcome. <laughs> right. right. And they would be like, Oh my God, I didn't know. And I'm like, yeah, this is all part of Middle Eastern food. So I would use food as kind of my segue and I'd make little jokes here and there. But I also with every time I hit a, an obstacle, be it in the airport and getting profiled or be it in job hunting. Cause as we said, like, you know, you're job hunting now. Like, even I know for a fact that even now, when I was job hunting, when I had to leave my job at the beginning of the pandemic, I was super frustrated because I knew still to this day, people look at my name on paper and they don't know. They just don't yeah. know. And I've told you, you know, for some interviews, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into an in-person interview and the look of surprise on the person's face when they see me because I wasn't what they were expecting in related in relation to my name. They were, mm. and I would love to know what they were because they're obviously looking at me wondering, you know, I'm thinking things like, do they think I should have a hijab or do they think I'm black? Do they think I'm Indian? Like, cause they're really ignorant and don't realize what my last name is. You know, what are, what's going through their mind? So when they see me, they're like, oh, and it's a pleasant surprise, mind mm. you. You know, so I think what would have happened if I looked different coming into this interview? And, you know, I still think it to this day because when I meet people in person, they're always like, oh my God, what is that? I love your name. Well, the first part of my name is Greek, which has nothing to do with me. <laughs> but then the last, whenever I say I'm Lebanese, it could go either way, you know, mm -hmm. like some faces are like super excited some get a little standoffish and that's all I need to know about the person in those cases. Cause that yeah. also started with when they started profiling in the airports, my first experience was a TSA person um, or a border agent asking, he wouldn't even look at me. I gave him my passport and he flipped it open and went country of origin of your surname. And I was wow. like, wow, you gave him your American passport. And he yes. saw the name Farha or Aleka Farha, whatever he yeah. saw, and needed to know what your roots were. Yeah. He literally, and he wouldn't look at me. And, but his whole demeanor changed. He stiffened, his shoulders were stiff. He was gripping my passport. But then also like, as, as soon as he asked me country of origin of your surname, he was doing some shit on his computer. And I, my jaw hit the floor because, you know, I've been traveling my whole life. And I've never had a person at, let alone at the American, you know, air, airport at an American airport asked me that question. So it just, it blew my mind, but that was the start to all of it. I thought, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I didn't hide behind it. I was really proud of it. And I thought, fine, you want to follow me to my gate or you want to question me or you want to do a bunch of, you know, xenophobic shit bring it on. Let's go. Cause I'm yeah. not, I'm not going to hide behind it because I could have, I could have easily taken my mom's maiden name 
and just worked with that somehow, but I didn't want to. And I know a lot of people who aren't even Arab who changed their names. I know people who are Turkish and I know some people from other parts of the world or they're Persian or whatever. Some of them changed it after 9-11 because they didn't want to deal, mm-hmm. you know? And that's sad because here we are now embracing our, well, we've already embraced our cultures, but a lot more people as they get older tend to embrace it more if they weren't, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's sad now because like I've, I'm so very much interested in what we come from and who we are and just seeing even my dad now opening up more and more about his life and his culture. Whereas before they didn't talk about it because Mm -hmm. they wanted to be proud Canadians, proud Americans, you know, and no one speak Arabic. Everyone speaks English or French. And it's like, what? And that was one of the reasons he never taught us Arabic because he was like, no, I want you to be proud Canadians, proud Americans. Like, yeah, we don't need this language. And we'd be like, but (laughs) I wish that I wish that my parents had taught us Arabic now that I'm 30. And I look back and I'm like, that's such a gap that I would love to have filled. But I, again, same thing. I understand why at the time it didn't seem important to them. And the life that they were looking to build was like, not forgetting the culture. I think we very much grew up with an appreciation of our culture, but, um, but not in those ways that would like tie it more to our, our day-to-day existence in America or something. Like I would come home from school and the food that I would eat was Lebanese, but, um, I felt weird bringing the Lebanese food to school. Um, well, I would love to dig I'm trying to think like which direction to take this because there's so many thoughts, thoughts floating around in my mind as we talk about this. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked a little bit about like specific experiences that we've had and maybe some micro aggressions that we've experienced oh. as well, um, which are plentiful. I think Love like those, right. Right. Like one that, and, and it's interesting because there's like varying levels of accuracy in them too. Like uh-huh. um, you mentioned xenophobia and it's in, like, I think there's a, you said earlier, okay, I'm going to tie a bunch of things together. You said earlier when talking about 9-11 uh, that after that, and I agree with this, there was a cultural shift where people um, conflated the Middle East with extreme Islam and like extremist groups, terrorist groups, like the, the end of that spectrum. And just assumed if, if you have any ties to the Middle East, then that's what the Middle East is. And so we're scared of you and we don't accept you here and get out of our country. Um, I also think there's been examples that I've experienced where people have assumed that about me and what's interesting about it. And I don't know, I don't know if there's anything really here to discuss, but what's interesting about it is that our family is actually Christian from the middle East. So it's like, I guess there's so many dimensions to this, right? There's, um, culture and country of origin, there's skin color, there's names and there's religion. Mm -hmm. And there's like all of these things at play in defining one's racial identity, I suppose, or cultural background or ethnic. I, I, I mean, It's kind of all of it wrapped up. Um, And it leaves me at least in a really like interesting unknown place of like, I don't know. I don't know what I am like. Well, I mean, it's also hard to when in Lebanon alone, there are 18 different sects of religion. (laughs) So it's like, take your pick. 
but also in the Middle East, religion is state, religion is government, whereas we have separation of church and state, right? So it's like, that's also hard for people in the West to understand that it's just like having everyone have a seat at the table. You need to have someone from each of these groups at the table so everyone is being represented and heard. It goes Mm. the same way. But then you've got the factor of, I mean, my dad said it really beautifully once because, you know, he grew up Orthodox background and, but he would say he was at a conference once, uh, some panel listening to someone and apparently he did not like what the person was saying. So he waited till the Q and A and stood up and Mm. there were lots of other older Arabs there. And my dad was like, you know, Yes, I was raised Orthodox, but my culture is Islam Mm. because it is the overwhelming umbrella in the Middle East, regardless of what religion you are. It's influential, right? Yeah. Culturally. And that's what my dad said. But then also my dad's not really religious anymore. I'm not religious. My mom's not religious. So, but I love what he said to us is that he's very, he's very poetic. I love that he said he believed in a lot of what Khalil Gibran would say in that you don't choose the path of your, of your children. They choose their path. Mm, and that's what he those. believed. Yes. And yeah. that's what he believed with us moving throughout our lives and whatever we choose, be it in faith or just basic principles. He's like, you choose that just like I'm choosing mine. So, but also there is that though, that cultural influence because you look at you know how long the whole belief of islam is around and orthodox christians christians like jewish people everything like druze maronites whatever you name it everything's been around for like whatever amount of time and that's all influenced cultures villages cities countries you name it and then he just though believes you take with it the pieces you want and leave yeah. the pieces you don't. And, but it is, it is hard though, because you, you're trying to kind of piece together your own identity in a way, right? So, and in me, this country, there's so much insistence on like needing people to be one thing. Yes. Like, choose your label, choose your box, and that's it. That's and they what we want you, you to be. You can't be multi dimensional. You can't yeah. be. You know, you can't have different facets. And it's like, whereas, you know, I question it as I know you do too. And it's like, well, why not? Mm -hmm. Because I don't feel one thing. I feel Mm -hmm. many things. And especially, you know, having the upbringings that we've had. Yes, we're very privileged to have had the upbringings we've had and be able to travel the way we have and see some of the things that we've seen. But it's also because of that, we see how big this world is and we see how multidimensional and faceted it is. And there are pieces that, of it that resonate with us and there are pieces of it that don't. I don't know, like trying to figure out who I am, I've just always, I've always felt different. And like you said, with microaggressions, I mean it in that it's also, I'm actually take that back it's because of microaggressions that it pushed me to feel more different because people would look at us and say, I'm sure I think this has happened to you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it has. Someone will look at you, even me when I'm not like in the dead of winter and I don't Mm -hmm. have my pure olivey summer skin. 
I've had someone look at me both from every single race, Jess, it doesn't matter. I've had this said to me by so many different people. They all look at me and go, no, but what are you really? Yeah. Like, what are you? You're different. You're exotic. What are you really? And I'm like, what the flip? Or someone would be like, well, where are you from? And you know, I say mm. like Baltimore and then they'll be like, no, 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 no. But like, where are you really from? Yep. And I'm like, and it's interesting. I, that has been said to me. Yes. I've also watched it said to my parents and particularly my mom gets really frustrated, understandably. So with that question, we'll be, we'll like meet people in passing, or maybe we're sitting at a bar talking to the people next to us. Like, I don't know what it is. And they'll say, Oh, where are you from? And my mom will say the DC area and yeah. They're from the DMV. <laughs> right. And they can hear her accent and they can see, you know, her, her eyebrows and eyes and olive skin. And they say, no, but, but where are, where really are you from? Where are you from originally? Whatever they say. And on one hand, when I watch those encounters happen, I'm like, she, I want her to be so proud to say Lebanon. And yeah. she is, my mom is the most proud Lebanese person there is but at the same time she also gets so frustrated by that question because it is a microaggression of like just because of how I look and how I speak you automatically want to know where else I'm from I'm an American citizen I've lived here for 35 years I've built a life here like so it is that weird dynamic of like balancing the pride for your culture and wanting to represent it and also um not wanting to put up with those types of microaggressions. Totally. totally. And, but I do get very excited when someone guesses it right. And it's yeah. Nice. Oh, I do you too. Know? Oh my God. I get so, pu- it actually happened to me recently. Someone just got it. They didn't even act like they, it was their first guest. They're like, are you Lebanese? And I was like, that's <laughs> amazing. Thank well, <laughs> I was, I was at a bar on Halloween side story around this and we walked into the bar and the, 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 bartender like I went up to order a bunch of beers for my friends and they were all sitting at the table and I'm the only one that went up to the bar and the bartender was like uh okay where are you from and I was like what and he was like in the Middle East are you Greek are you Lebanese are you Turkish like immediately and I'm pretty sure I was wearing a mask too so this was based on my eyes and eyebrows and I was like I'm Lebanese and he was like I'm from Lebanon. And he talked about what, what part of Lebanon he was from. I was like, my, my dad lived there growing up and he gave me a bunch of shots for free. So like, uh, sometimes it is really exciting to be pegged for it when it's like yeah. people who are also from your culture or maybe have a culture of their own. But I think a lot of it depends on who it's coming from. Um, oh, and totally, the context yeah. and the tone and so much of so oh, much of that tone and context, baby, yeah. that is. Yeah. Cause there's definitely obviously been some where they're not friendly or it's right. like, you can again, tell they're the, asking because they oh, totally, or they think, you know, they want to just peg you as either a terrorist or the worst is I remember once, um, when I was working in a store, this was years ago and I was checking, uh, this woman out, she was a very sweet little Asian woman, but then everything, I complimented her bag, something like she had a really beautiful purse. And I was like, your bag is beautiful. And she was like, Oh, thank you. I I got it. I just got back from Dubai. Mm. And I was like, well, that's a fun treat. And I said, that's really great. I was like, I have some family there. Cause we do, we have cousins that live and work there. 
And she, and then her face totally changed. And she looked at me and she was like, Christian, like <gasps> hoping that, I, yeah. And I was like, okay, way to just kill the whole mood. Yeah. It like, is why that is something that happens to me a lot too. You know, somebody says, oh, like, where's your family from originally? And I'm, I say Lebanon. And if they know what Lebanon is, which more and more, you know, in this day and age, and, and as I've gotten older, like more people know than when I was 10, but still some people don't, whatever. I live in the Midwest now, not everybody knows. Um, but so, so if you see when I say to someone, my, my family's Lebanese and I see in their eyes that they know what Lebanon is and I kind of get excited and hopeful. And I'm like, Oh, like they know what that is. We're going to have like a cool conversation. Maybe like, maybe they like Lebanese food, whatever. Yeah. And sometimes the next question is, Oh, are you Muslim or Christian? And I'm like, I know that that's a relevant question there, but yeah. we're in America where, why does that matter to you? It doesn't matter. And who are you to ask me that? And the fact that that's immediately attached to my culture to you is like very disturbing. I don't even want to answer this. I also, I mean, similar to you, like I'm not super religious, but I grew up Christian and that's important to my family. But also, even if it wasn't, it's just like none of your freaking yeah. business. Why is yeah. that what you, why is that your reaction when I say I'm Lebanese? It's, oh, it's sickening. I said neither before I, yeah. I, meant it. I was like, neither. And they go, well, <laughs> like some of them get cheeky. They're like, well, what was it before it was neither? And I'll just say neither, but that's I'm like, rude. Yeah. I'm like, wow. you know, let's not poke the flame, like leave it. That was already a kind of an appropriate question to ask to begin with. Like, as you said, like we're here, we're not over there. And you know what though, Jess, if we were maybe in the Middle East or Lebanon, I maybe would have answered it or been like, oh, my father was raised ortho. You know what I mean? Yeah. But because like you said, we're here in the States. No, I'm right. not going to answer that. That's none of your business. But then also if it's neither, or they don't like that people are non-religious, then they get on the tough and they're like, well, why not? And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. Like what? There's how, how no winning. Happy? There's no winning. Exactly. There's no winning. And what you just said is exactly it. Like, people come, people asking those questions and coming from that place, they're looking, like I said earlier, like they want to put you in a box that they understand. And they're looking for the answer that's going to make them happy and them comfortable. And I feel like that's a lot of what I've realized around this question of like, where do I fall in the race conversation Uh is like, I am a different race depending on who is perceiving me. Like to a black person, I'm a white person. And that's fine. I understand why I'm, you know, to, uh, like the most white person in the world, I'm middle Eastern Arab Brown, like other something that they don't understand, but definitely not white. And, and so it's really just about like what makes the perceiver most comfortable I've found. And that's something that I have a hard time with too, because I'm like, okay, I guess my race is just up to whoever's perceiving it. And I, but what do I want to be? Yeah. What do (laughs) I, but then what's my identity like that I can own and run with. Um, And I think that's like at the root of why I wanted to talk about this because it, 
I don't know. It's like really on my mind lately. I don't think there's oh, a clear was, it's, answer. It's been on my mind, especially even more so since the 2020 census, because yeah. they added Middle Eastern countries to the census. However, it was a subcategory of white, yeah. which just irked me. I was like, you couldn't even just give it its own line. Like why? And it just, that's what frustrated me because I'm like, I want to check both. Cause I am both yeah. my mother's side. Yes. My mother is white, but my father's side, he is middle Eastern. He is Arab. Like it just, I want to be able to identify both. Yeah. I don't want to be a subcategory. And like, you know, and like you said, it just gets frustrating. Cause even when we want a box, everybody else is still putting us in their own boxes on the way they perceive us when they meet us. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it can either go a nice way or it can go a really screwed up way. And I think it's so interesting too, because I, I would love to have this same conversation with someone who more closely fits into a box, like a black person, an Asian American person, like what, whoever it might be, because I'm sure there's on the flip side, you know, like you and I are like, we want a box. Then the people who have a box are like, why do you, why Why do we force me to be in this box? You know, I don't want to be in a box. Well, it's like, I don't want to be in a box either. However, if you're going to give us boxes, right. Represent everybody. It's representation is what it is. It's about exactly. Cause it's like, just represent everyone. It's like man-made, like this is all fucking made up. Well, even like, right. Like some of those boxes, you know, what always irks me though, when I'm filling out forms, it makes me feel, and I'm not even Latino or Hispanic, but I hate that section where you have Hispanic or Hispanic. Yes. It's so weird. It's so fucked up. It's so weird. Why are you putting that there? To me, that is like blatant xenophobia and racism to a degree because it's like why are you putting that there are you trying to like wheedle out illegal immigrants like is that what that is like what what does that category even mean when you have to double verify that in forms I don't I would love to know how Hispanic people feel dismissing that or checking that because it's not I just think it's weird like why is that there I've never understood it. This, this is a bit of a tangent, but it reminds me of something. I was completing a job application recently for like a large, um, actually a university in Chicago. And, um, one of the questions was it asked in that same section, that's like, what's your gender? What's your race? Um, are you Hispanic or non-Hispanic? Are you a veteran, like veteran yeah. status, disability status, that whole section that it, I understand everything I do else. Too. No. Yes. Then it asked about sexual orientation and asked you, it's an optional question, but it asked you to check off. Are you straight? Are you gay? Are you a lesbian, bi, queer, or other? And I'm sure that the reason that it asked that was because they're using this data. They want to say that we um, interviewed a diverse array of candidates or something like that. Yeah. But I saw it and I was like, this is so weird that I'm filling out a job application and they want to know what sex I'm attracted to, like who I want to have sex with. Like, why is that relevant to me performing the duties of this job? But it's the same as race. It's the same as gender. And again, I know so much of it is because they're doing these like data analytics in the background and they want to prove diversity or, or inclusion, but 
it was so uncomfortable, so weird to me. Then there was a follow-up question after that, that was, um, would you consider yourself an LGBTQ ally? Yes or no, which like nobody who answers that question, no, would answer the question. It's an optional question. They just leave it blank if the answer is no, because they know that that's not uh, like sought after in our current climate. So I was just like, why is this part of this job application? I get what you're trying to do, but you're doing it all wrong in my view. All wrong. The delivery, all of it. It should not, no. I don't like that at all. That makes me, it was weird. It makes me cringe. Cause it's like a lot of it is, is a bit, it's crossing a line. It's inappropriate. It should be, it should be voluntary. If someone knows ahead of time and is willing to volunteer that, but like on an initial application, right. Just in the screen, like at the beginning for that, the screen. Yeah. So no. weird. That's really weird. Anyway, there's clearly a long way to go with all of this. And I I brought that up because it was a recent example, but also because I think a lot of what we've been talking about pertains not only to race, but also to sexual orientation, also to like trans people, like in general, like this issue in our country of um, wanting to put people in boxes. And then when those boxes are presented, not having enough you know, like there's not enough representation in those boxes. So either have the representation and give me enough boxes to choose from, or Or don't make me pick one. (laughs) Or delete all the boxes and just put human. Yeah. A revolutionary concept. Done. Just check human. Like just like a a freaking capture on your little Google thing when you're filling in all the crosswalks. Are you a robot or a human? Are you a robot or a human? (laughs) Done. That's That's it. it. (laughs) I love that. That's actually the perfect solution. I thought we weren't going to like answer the question and solve the problem by the end of our conversation, but maybe we did. We just need to do the CAPTCHA questions. That's it. Human or robot. End of story. Thanks again for joining for this episode of Peaking. If you want more Peaking, make sure to follow on Instagram at Peaking Podcast. You can also follow me, your host, Jess DeBakey at Jay-Z DeBakey on Instagram. I have a website. I don't keep it up to date as much as I should, but it's peakingpodcast.com. And if you want to send me, you know, the story of your life, something a little bit longer form than we can handle in the DMs, peakingpodcast at gmail.com is the place to go. All right. I will see you in a couple weeks. Talk to you soon, boo fam. What do I always hear? God, I hear better help, all form. McDonald's, mm. like Helix all these- mattresses. Oh yeah, Helix. That's a big uh, one. Athletic Greens. I'm totally. like, like Daily God. Harvest. Yeah, Daily Harvest. Me oh, undies. Yeah. Ooh, me undies is big. Oh my God, Hello Fresh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are we giving them this airtime? I know.